Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Need a cold coffee with a bold flavor? Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. Brew over ice straight out of the Keurig coffee maker for smooth, delicious Dunkin' taste you know and love. Find your next Dunkin' Cold coffee in the roasted coffee aisle. Good morning. Front and center, President Biden steps onto the world stage this morning to deliver a key speech, his first address to the United Nations since taking office while facing multiple crises around the world. A speech just hours ahead of a critical face-to-face with Britain's Boris Johnson. But first, the prime minister sat down with Savannah to address their relationship after that chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan. You tried to reach President Biden and didn't receive a call back for some 36 hours. Is that true? That exclusive conversation straight ahead. Better with a boost? Just this morning, Johnson & Johnson out with new findings on its vaccine, showing it is considerably stronger with an extra dose. The impact on millions of Americans who've already received that shot and inside the push for approval of Pfizer's vaccine for children that could be a game changer for families and schools. Mass deportation. More Haitian migrants camped under a bridge near the Texas border, flown back home overnight. The Biden administration now scrambling to address the surge. I don't think we expected the rapidity of the increase that occurred. We are now meeting the challenge. But this morning, a new controversy. Shocking images of border agents appearing to whip migrants, where they're live with the very latest. New clues. The FBI searches the Florida home of Gabby Petito's missing fiancé one day after the 22-year-old's body was believed to be found. This morning, what investigators have uncovered as we learn more about an altercation between the couple just days before her mysterious disappearance. All that plus, save the sequoias, the massive efforts underway to steer a dangerous wildfire away from California's iconic trees, including the biggest one in the world. And say cheese. Reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers throws four touchdown passes, leading Green Bay to a big win over Detroit and bouncing back after a rough start to the season. Today, Tuesday, September 21st, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hey guys, welcome to Today. It's a busy Tuesday morning, but we're very, very happy that you joined us this morning. Morning, everybody. Lots to get to, including those alarming images out of California this morning, showing the effort to save some of the world's biggest trees from those fast-moving wildfires. We're going to have an update on that battle in a live report. Of course, the environment and climate change are just a few of the topics being addressed at the United Nations this week. World leaders gathering right here in New York. And Savannah, you spoke with one of them. Yeah, we sat down exclusively with the British Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, talked about a lot of different things, what he hopes to achieve while he's here. He's in sales pitch mode, trying to get climate funding. Also, the U.S.-Britain relationship, was it harmed by the withdrawal of in Afghanistan? We're going to get to that conversation in just a moment. But let us begin at the U.N. with President Biden's first address before the General Assembly. NBC's Chief White House Correspondent Peter Alexander is over at the U.N., just a few blocks from us. Hey, Peter, good morning. 
Hey, Hoda, good morning to you in Savannah. The president today is going to be delivering that address against the backdrop of this ongoing pandemic. And you're going to notice the difference at this year's gathering with fewer attendees and everyone indoors required to wear a mask. And looking to cool tensions with some of its European allies and other nations, the Biden administration just announced that it will be easing travel restrictions for foreigners who are fully vaccinated beginning in November. Facing a convergence of global challenges from COVID to climate, Joe Biden today will deliver his first address to the United Nations as president, pushing for stronger partnerships among nations. America is back at the table. That message in response to former President Trump's America First agenda. But President Biden's effort to reassert U.S. leadership in the world is complicated by new skepticism of the country's commitment to collaboration. Today's speech comes less than a month after America's chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan, despite the reservations of many allies, a move that triggered a flood of asylum seekers and recreated a possible haven for terrorist groups. It also comes just days after the U.S. infuriated France, excluding America's oldest ally from an agreement with the U.K. to equip Australia with nuclear-powered submarines. French President Macron is skipping the U.N. General Assembly. The White House says it's trying to arrange a call between the two leaders, who just months ago walked together arm in arm. And this week, the U.N. Secretary General urged the U.S. and China to fix what he called their completely dysfunctional relationship, a relationship the White House insists is focused on competition, not conflict, promising President Biden is not looking to pursue a new Cold War. And President Xi of China and Russia's President Vladimir Putin will not be attending in person. President Biden has a full deck of meetings this week, beginning today, meeting one-on-one -on -one with Australia's Prime Minister and the Prime Minister of the UK, Boris Johnson. Savannah Hoda. Yeah, Peter, and again, speaking of Prime Minister Johnson, ahead of his U.S. meetings and the visit to the White House, Savannah, you had a chance to sit down with him exclusively. Yeah, we had a conversation yesterday afternoon. He's here hoping to convince top world leaders to hand over big bucks to fight climate change. A big sales pitch there. We talked to him about that and more, everything from global affairs, Afghanistan, to fatherhood. But we began with his take on the situation in Afghanistan and the recent U.S. withdrawal. How frustrating has that been for you, this withdrawal of Afghanistan that was so chaotic? My country, the, the U.K., owes a big debt to the U.S. military for the incredible professionalism and sacrifice they showed at, at that airport, at the Hamikaze International Airport. It was an amazing operation. It's never going to be an easy thing to do to pull out of uh, somewhere like Afghanistan after 20 years in a clean uh, and straightforward way. But you can't spend your whole time yeah. trying to run another country by proxy. It, and that it, was, an, it that's was never going to be easy, but it didn't have to be that messy. Your own diplomats were stranded in Kabul. We have that mistaken drone strike. Are you frustrated that the U.S. withdrawal was so botched, frankly? I think that it was a massive logistical success, what they did. We, you're being we had quite a big, easy come, easy go about it, but you, you heard about it in Parliament, members of your own party. Oh, Tony Blair called it tragic and unnecessary. Theresa May, member of the Conservative Party, went out after you, should the U.S. have been surprised by how quickly this collapse of Afghanistan happened? What did the intelligence tell you? It, it, there was a spectrum of advice, a spectrum of predictions from the intelligence people, amongst which was the possibility that Kabul would collapse very fast and that the Taliban would, uh, would take over very fast. Of course, uh, you, you're going to look back on it with mixed feelings. But I, I, I say this, Savannah, all the things we did in, in Afghanistan, 3.6 million uh, women and girls were educated 
who would not otherwise. Well, what about have those had women education. and girls now? Sure, uh, and we. Well, I, I agree. It's a terrible thing now to listen to some of the threats that we're hearing uh, to their potential, their, their freedom, their opportunities. But what we've got to do is work together as the as the West to say to the new authorities in uh, in Afghanistan, in, in Kabul, look, you, you want our cash. Uh, we want to engage with you, but you know Afghanistan can't be a breeding ground for terror anymore. There were reports that as this collapse was happening, you tried to reach President Biden and didn't receive a call back for some 36 hours. Is that true? Don't discuss my calls with other leaders, but to the best of my recollection, we talked very frankly about the whole thing. And so you didn't feel snubbed or not sufficiently consulted as this was happening? No, not at all. No, no, no. Do you think the president was too stubborn about this total withdrawal by a certain date from Afghanistan? Uh, America has been there for, for 20 years, and it's a respectable argument to say that enough is enough. You could, do you agree they, with they the decision? Get back it sounds like you feet. do. Look, I mean, could we have done it a bit differently? Maybe we could. I, I did want to ask you about President Trump. You I mean, spoke out pretty forcefully after January 6th and the riots at the U.S. Capitol. Oh, yes. Was that a rift in the relationship between you? I'm a massive fan of American, of American democracy. I think America stands for an ideal, and that ideal is that people should be able to uh, choose their governments peacefully, one person, uh, one vote, uh, by election. I just felt that the, some of the scenes at the, at the Capitol didn't wholly correspond uh, with that. Well, that's that, pretty I, mild that, language. That, that ideal. People were ransacking their offices. I'm a friendly and, and loving observer. And that, so I, I just thought uh, that's Do you hold I I former President Trump responsible for inciting that riot? Look, I, I have no knowledge of, of, of what, what happened. But I, what I think is that, let me put, put it this way, my admiration for American democracy is undimmed. By the whole thing. Did you ever worry in those days after the election, before inauguration, about the stability of the president or what he no. might do? No, no. There are reports that General Milley, who's one of our top generals, mm -hmm. was so concerned about military action the president might take, he actually called his Chinese counterpart. Did you ever worry about anything like that in the I, final I, waning I, I, days of the Trump administration? I, to be frank, I didn't. No, I, I, I thought that, I mean, you know, the, the the poll seemed to, 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 you know, oscillate to and fro, but then, you know, the, the, the people made up their mind. People here perceive you as kind of two peas in a pot. It is the job of any Prime Minister of the, of the UK to have a, a, a good relationship with the, the, the President of the United States. The US-UK relationship, we are doomed, we are fated to get along, and that's quite right. That applies to, to Donald Trump. It applies to Joe Biden, but what I will say about Joe Biden, dealing with, with the, the new American president, yes, it is a breath of fresh air in the sense that there are some things on which we can really, really work together. And you knew I was going to bring it up. Climate change. You know, he's great on that. And he wants to cut CO2. He wants to get to, to net zero by 2050. And he shares with me a basic view that you can do this without penalizing the economy. You have taken a more adversarial approach with China. Just recently, there was an announcement that Australia, the UK, and the US uh, have a deal to put nuclear-powered submarines in the Australian waters. China has told Australia, you should expect the worst. China sees this as incredibly provocative. I think that's ridiculous. There's no need whatever for anybody to 
construe this as adversarial towards them. Going back a, to this is about technology transfer. Let's talk about COVID. You have 81% of your eligible citizens vaccinated right now. We're at 64%. The president has turned to mandates where he has the legal authority to do so. Do you think that's the right it's idea? Different strokes for different folks. Okay, it's up to different countries to decide how they want to approach this. This is a very controversial area. People feel very strongly about uh, not having the state mandate something. In my country, we're great lovers of liberty. We've had to do it by sweet reason and persuasion, and that's working. What do you do when sweet reason and persuasion don't you work? Keep going. Sweet, more sweet reason. Since you became prime minister, you became a father again. You have a yes, new baby. I You're do, expecting yes. another baby. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's you insane. have six kids. Yes. What's it like so, to have little babies in, in it's Tendown fantastic. Street? It's fantastic. It's fantastic. You know, well, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's a lot of work. Um, it's a lot of work. I'll tell you that much. But it's it's I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, I, I want you. I change a lot of nappies in case anybody. Do you really? I do. I do. <laughs> there's, a, there's a joke wow. there about what he does uh, in politics, too, but I'm not going to make it. But it was a really interesting and lively conversation, as you can see. And he is really in, in sales mode this yeah, week. He's trying tell. to get the U.S. to double its funding uh, to contribute to fighting climate change around the world. So we'll see if he is persuasive. It was such a well-rounded interview. I learned a lot about Boris Johnson that I didn't know. All, um, right. all right. Meantime, we do have a number of developments this morning tied to COVID vaccines, including Breaking news on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, new data on its effectiveness and how it changes with a booster shot. This after yesterday's potentially game-changing announcement from Pfizer on its vaccine for children. NBC Stephanie Goss has got it all covered for us. Hey, Steph, good morning. Good morning, Hoda. So this is really good news for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The company says that it holds up against the variants, but that if you get a booster, it's even better. What this doesn't do is clear up a lot of the confusion that's out there over who should get the booster. All of this as a new group of younger children could be set to get their first shot. This morning, Johnson & Johnson out with new data that shows its single-dose vaccine is working to provide long-lasting protection. But the company says a booster shot will do even more to keep people safe from the coronavirus. If given within two months of the first shot, J&J &J says its booster can provide 94% protection against moderate to severe COVID. But the FDA has yet to approve boosters for any of the vaccines. And it's leaving many Americans struggling with mixed messages after a month of back and forth. In August, the Biden administration publicly supported boosters and said they'd be widely available this week. Eight months after your second shot, get a booster shot. Last Monday, two FDA scientists who've now announced they're leaving the agency argued against the need for boosters. Then on Friday, an FDA board recommended booster authorization for the Pfizer vaccine, but only for people over 65 and those with underlying health risks. A final decision won't be made until the FDA meets with the CDC this week. A lot of people left wondering what they're supposed to do. One of the greatest errors that took place at the beginning of this was mixed messages. Meanwhile, a whole new age group could soon be authorized to get the shot. Pfizer says a smaller dose of its vaccine triggers a strong immune response in 5 to 11-year-olds. Authorization for those younger children could come before Halloween. This vaccine could not only prevent school closures, it could actually get us out of 
one of the most horrible phases of the pandemic we've experienced yet with the Delta variant. Health officials warn that although children are at far less risk of getting severe COVID, 30,000 kids were hospitalized in August. All you need to do is to go to pediatric hospitals around the country, particularly in the southern states, and you will see that there are many children that are hospitalized now for COVID-19. Pfizer now saying its vaccine is a safe and powerful tool to turn those numbers around. The FDA says that it doesn't have Pfizer's data yet, but once it gets it, it'll take a matter of weeks before they come up with their decision to authorize or not to authorize. They're still waiting on Moderna. Moderna says that it's still studying the effects of its vaccine on elementary-aged kids. Hoda? All right, Stephanie Gosk for us there. Stephanie, thank you. Lots more to get to. Craig joins us following that ongoing mm -hmm. crisis at the border and some really disturbing yeah. images to some come out. Development. Savannah Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. That massive camp of Haitian migrants camping around the bridge near the Texas state line is slowly shrinking. Some of the thousands there now in shelters. Others have been deported back home. But this morning, NBC News has learned as many as 20,000 additional migrants are considering making the very same trip. NBC's Morgan Chesky is back along the border for us once again. Morgan, good morning to you. Hey, Craig, good morning. And overnight, we've learned U.S. officials are monitoring several large groups of Haitian migrants in Central and South America who may be making the trip to this very border, although it's unclear if or when that would be taking place. In the meantime, here in Del Rio, the mission that's become equal parts humanitarian and immigration is still far from over. This morning is massive crowds of people living in this makeshift migrant camp beneath the Texas border bridge slowly starts to thin. New questions about the response by authorities as images surface of Border Patrol agents on horseback appearing to use their horses reins like whips to turn migrants back to Mexico. The agency calling the use of horses a tool to keep agents safe. The White House denouncing it. I don't think anyone seeing that footage uh, would think it was acceptable or appropriate. Some 10,000 remain in Del Rio, most of them Haitian, down from a surge of nearly 15,000 over the weekend. Federal authorities have already flown hundreds back to Haiti, busing thousands more to processing centers. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas in Texas Monday defending the federal response. Were there enough in place for this surge? I don't think we expected the rapidity of the increase that occurred, we are now meeting the challenge. Overnight, Republicans blaming President Biden for the influx and for failing to respond in time. You can't go around for months sort of arguing that there's not going to be any border security and creating the perception and the reality that people can enter the country and they're going to get to stay and not expect for thousands of people to come. Federal officials now sending a message to anyone else considering the journey. If you come to the United States illegally, you will be returned. Your journey will not succeed and you will be endangering your life and your family's lives. Now, DHS officials stressing not everyone will be deported, saying they're focusing on single Haitian males and families not claiming asylum, stressing that any unaccompanied child or family claiming asylum will likely stay in the United States. In the meantime, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, expected to make a visit here to Del Rio later today. 
Craig. All right, Morgan Chesky for us here at the border. Morgan, thank you. 719. What do you say we get our first check of the weather? Yeah, Scott, Look who's back. Good hey, Al, that was so good yesterday. Oh, thanks so oh, much. It was really a home run. Yeah. Or a touchdown. Touchdown. Right. Yeah. <laughs> touchdown. Very good. All right. Well, unfortunately, we're going to see a lot of wet weather touching down, stretching for the Great Lakes all the way into the Tennessee River Valley. We're going to look at that in detail coming up in the next half hour. Flood watches also into the southeast. A morning freeze back through the northern plains. Lots of sunshine and warmer than usual conditions out west. And that is your latest weather. Guys? All right. Thanks, so. Al. Thank you. Coming up, could a hard drive discovered in her van hold new clues about what happened to Gabby Petito? We're going to have the very latest as authorities hunt for and search the home of her still missing fiance. And then the urgent race to save a natural, national, a natural treasure. California's iconic redwoods from a raging wildfire. This morning, a first-hand look at what firefighters are doing to protect the largest tree in the entire world. But first, this is Today on NBC. In life, we're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to find candidates isn't to search. It's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free. Shopify.com slash podcast free. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Just soak it in. The harvest moon. That's what we saw overnight. The harvest moon. Last full moon of summer, actually. Oh, come so on. So now we can finally say, no. Summer's over. No. <laughs> but you captured a beautiful shot yourself. You saw the, the moon way, rise or moon setting this morning. I was sitting having oh, coffee. That's you. I look, oh, my gosh. I sat out and looked at my window. I was like, is that what's going on out there? Gorgeous. And you know how picture never does it justice. But anyway, mm, it was you beautiful. You captured beautiful. it. We've got a few more hours left of summer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, more hours. Hold on. on. Yeah. All right, let's get a headline uh, for your 7.30 on a Tuesday morning. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has prevailed, gotten a third term in office, but his Liberal Party failed to secure a majority of seats in Parliament. Trudeau took a gamble, calling for an election two years ahead of schedule, betting that his handling of the pandemic would deliver him a stronger victory. Well, now he will have to rely on help from other parties to pass any legislation. All eyes on Wall Street this morning after major sell-off Monday that saw U.S stocks logged their biggest drop since May. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was down nearly 1,000 points Monday afternoon before finishing the day 614 points in the red. Both the Nasdaq and the S&P 500 posted their worst day in four months. 
number of reasons for the sell-off, according to experts, including a potential economic disruption in China and fears about what could happen at this week's Federal Reserve meetings. What do you say we turn to football now? Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are in the win column for the first time this season after a big second half on Monday Night Football. The rain has started to fall. Rodgers zips one in there for Tunyon. Touchdown, Packers. The Packers took the lead in the third quarter, never looked back. Green Bay outscored Detroit 21 to nothing in the second half. Aaron Rodgers, nothing, just four touchdown passes on the night. Packers won, by the way, 35-17. to Aaron Rodgers hasn't lost on a Monday yeah. night in more than a decade. Is that right? Oh, he is uh, money wow. on Monday That'd night. That'd be a good Jeopardy question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we turn now to another major story that we continue to follow here. We're talking this morning about those new developments in the Gabby Petito case. Yeah. Yeah, investigators believe they discovered the 22-year-old's body in Wyoming over the weekend, nearly one month after she was last seen. And they're expanding the search now for her still-missing fiancé and for clues in the case. NBC's Katie Beck joins us from Northport, Florida, with the very latest. Hey, Katie, good morning. Good morning, guys. Investigators say an autopsy is scheduled for later today to determine the identity of that body and a potential cause of death. This growing investigation now focusing on Gabby's missing fiance, Brian Laundrie. Yesterday, investigators searching the Florida home the young couple shared with Laundrie's parents. This morning, a cross-country investigation is underway. Authorities searching for evidence in the Gabby Petito case while trying to track down her fiancé, Brian Laundrie, who's been missing for a week. On Monday, FBI agents scoured the Florida home of Laundrie's parents, where Gabby and Brian also lived, declaring it a crime scene. The family escorted from the house as investigators took photos in the backyard around a storage shed even towing a vehicle from the driveway. Authorities suspended a search in a dense wildlife area where Laundrie's family told them Brian went for a hike last Tuesday. Just days later, a body believed to be Petito's was discovered in Wyoming. We continue to seek information from anyone who utilized the Spread Creek dispersed camping area between the dates of August 27th and August 30th. Anyone that may have had contact with Gabby or her boyfriend the couple has spent months on the road together, posting upbeat content on social media about their van life adventure. But on August 12th, witnesses in Utah called 911, reporting a dispute. Uh, we drove by and the gentleman was slapping the girl. A short time later, footage from police body cameras captured Petito appearing distraught. We'd have been fighting all morning and, and he wouldn't let me in the car before. According to a newly released affidavit filed by Northport Police, the responding officer in Utah described it as a mental health crisis, not a domestic assault. The case has fascinated people nationwide, with many amateur sleuths sharing tips and spreading theories online, including on TikTok, where the Gabby Petito hashtag has gone viral, viewed more than 500 million times. Laundry, who has not been charged with a crime, has refused to speak with police, citing the advice of a lawyer. He has also not reached out to Gabby Petito's family in any way, according to her there father, who no sat down with Dateline's Andrea Canning. Now, there is no way that you come home on a trip with the love of your life. You've been in a van for two months and you tell no one. You don't answer phone calls. Your parents don't answer calls. No one says nothing. 
Katie, this investigation just seems to be getting wider, but have authorities made any progress? Do they have any leads? Well, what we do know, Hoda, is that they were able to obtain an external hard drive from inside that white van that the couple drove across the country and maybe giving some indication of timeline, where they were, communications they might have had. Additionally, a family attorney for the laundries was supposed to be having a press conference today and then canceled it overnight after he said he had spoken to the FBI. So we're hoping to get some more explanations and information later today. Hoda. Yeah, that's intriguing. All right, Katie, yeah, thank you. Coming up next, we'll take a turn. Saving the Sequoia is the desperate race to keep flames from a dangerous wildfire from away from California's famed and massive trees, including the largest ones on the entire planet. We'll take you there live right after this. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. We're back uh, 740 now with In-Depth Today. This morning, a new concern over one of the worst wildfire seasons ever in California. Yeah, a massive fire is now burning near Sequoia National Forest, and its flames are dangerously close to the picturesque home of some of the world's most iconic and beloved trees. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin is in Mill Valley for us with more on that. Hi, Aaron. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Some of the oldest and tallest trees in the world are in danger of burning. Now fire crews are working around the clock to save the Sequoia National Forest from devastation. This morning, some of the world's largest and most iconic trees are just feet from the flames. Teams of firefighters are racing against time to save historic redwoods from a raging wildfire tearing through the Sequoia National Forest. The threat intensifying in recent days after lightning strikes ignited two uncontrollable wildfires, which merged into one massive blaze. The KPN complex fire has already torched over 23,000 acres. Firefighters struggling to get the upper hand. It's incredibly steep. The fuels are incredibly dry. All of that makes this a very difficult fire to fight very dangerous. The burn area visible from space as it closes in on the so-called giant forest, home to General Sherman, the largest tree in the world. The giant sequoia, which is over 2,000 years old and stands towering 275 feet high, almost as tall as the Statue of Liberty, has attracted tourists from around the world. The flames creeping closer, crews covered the base of its massive trunk with fire-resistant wrapping in an effort to protect it. As those once awed by the forest's beauty... Look at that! Look at that! ...now shocked by the threat of devastation. The fear is that you won't be able to see wonder in nature the way that people 100 generations before you saw it. Officials say the fire has already burned the inside of these trees, rooted just a few hundred feet from General Sherman, and the threat not isolated. Another fire burning just 40 miles to the south has swallowed over 25,000 acres and threatens more giant sequoias. 
This area is no stranger to this kind of destruction. Just last year, California's Castle Fire alone incinerated 10% of the world's giant sequoia population. The wildfires that we're seeing are not natural anymore. They're amplified as a result of human choices and human activity. Now, as the flames rage, the race is on to protect these towering treasures. So, Aaron, I mean, the question, just how much of a chance do these trees have of surviving these fires? Well, Savannah, the trees you see behind me are redwoods. Both redwoods and giant sequoias have adapted to fire, meaning they could survive this. Fire officials say it's really down to the intensity of the fire as well as forest management. Savannah. All right, Aaron, thank you very much. All right, Mr. Roker standing by with another mm -hmm. check of the weather. Got those wildfires out west, but right. you've got your eye on some severe weather. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the eastern half of the country, we're going to be looking at severe weather today. Uh, in fact, we've got flood watches to talk about, stretching from Georgia all the way into the southeast and parts of the upper Midwest for 13 million people. You can already see some really severe uh, storms starting to fire up back through St. Louis on up into Chicago. That's part of a cold front. And even the remnants of Nicholas from last week still kind of hanging around as this cold front tracks into the Ohio Valley, bringing local downpours, possible flooding from the Great Lakes all the way into the Tennessee River Valley. Tomorrow, the rain is heavy from western New York all the way down to the Carolinas. We've got a severe threat in the Appalachians. And then Thursday, Heavier rain moves into the northeast and New England. Also, some wraparound heavy rain through the central Great Lakes going to bring that heavy rain, the threat of flash flooding. Look at Detroit. We could see upwards of five inches of rain in some spots around there. Hourly rainfall rates up to two inches, and those hourly rainfall rates even heavier as you get down into the southeast, where we could see anywhere from three to six inches of rain. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thanks. Okay, do you ever wonder what restaurants do with all those leftover oysters? shells. Well, Ooh. Harry Smith found out firsthand how they're being reused to help clean the water in New York Harbor. Coming up next, your 8 o'clock hour. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. <laughs> 